the James Suckling podcast. Wine ratings, reports, interviews and more. Hey, good day. How are you? Hi, good, thanks. I'm I'm Claire. It's a pleasure to meet you. So I would love to talk a bit about the latest vintages, um, how they were for you, and ask you a few questions about your winemaking style, your Pinot Noirs, etc. Would your normal Hallmark style with a lot of a uh, whole bunch of fermentation, native yeasts, um, how important do you think this is? And do you think that other producers in Willamette or even in Oregon share the same philosophy? So I think that um, at least locally, at least locally, um, people um, are not quite as daring uh, or as willing to take a risk, I think, as as we are. Um, people here locally do not typically use whole bunch in a, in a, in the way that we do. Um, I think most people here get excited about 10 and 15, 20, 25% whole clusters, which I think is, which I think is excellent. But I think, I think you've got to go for it. Um, I mean, for me and my own personal style, I typically like a hundred percent whole bunch wines. Um, but it's a bit much, right? It's a bit too much, I think for, uh, for most, um, and so I think we also are looking for a great deal of balance. And so I think that's why we end up with, with, with 50% uh, whole cluster for the most, for the most part in most of our wines, you know, 40 to 50 in, in that range. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's something that, um, you know, I would, you know, I wish people would, would, would try a bit more. Um, I, I think of it as very much of an old world uh, technique um, yeah. you know, many of the things that we do, um, uh, you know, are emulating what the great houses of Burgundy have done, um, for a very, very long time. And, uh, so, you know, um, we like to think that, uh, you know, for most of, most of human history, we didn't have destemmers, and, you know, so most wines <laughs> were made with a hundred percent whole cluster, you yeah. know, uh, throughout time. And, uh, it's, um, it adds something it's it's it truly truly does it's uh for us it's about aromatics um and and spice uh but it's also about uh, tannin uh it very much for us is a fourth dimension of tannin and so we talk about you know skin tannin stem tannin uh seed tannin and oak tannin and so um you know stem tannin is uh it's a part of that it's a part of the uh the completeness uh, that I think we're looking for and, and, and part of the intensity of structure that I think we're striving for. Um, because I think, uh, you know, our picking decisions are largely dictated on, um, you know, fruit intensity and, and, and acid. And, uh, and so I think having that great deal of tannin from, from the whole cluster, um, balances the acid that I think we're, we're striving for with every pick. How would you, describe the the nature or the personality of Oregon Pinot Noir compared to say Sonoma Coast or Russian River Valley um because I know you're you're on the same parallel as Burgundy so much cooler climate but how does the the character of the fruit compare to other ABAs in the states you know I would say quickly you know California is quite diverse and and quite different than what we're dealing with in Oregon um 
but I think, you know, the difference between Sonoma coast and Russian river is, is that is maybe a bigger difference than maybe even Sonoma coast to here, um, in, in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, I think, um, Sonoma coast, much, much closer to the ocean, um, than we are, but we are, uh, very, very similarly impacted, uh, by the ocean, uh, in that, um, you know, we are extremely dependent on uh, Pacific Ocean winds uh, coming through the Van Duzer corridor on a nightly basis to really, you know, cool the entire Willamette Valley down. Where we are in the Olamity Hills, where we are with our site at Christum, you know, we are directly, directly east of the Van Duzer corridor. So it is directly west of us. And it is, um, so, so the, the winds are ferocious. You know, they're, 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 they're rather intense. Um, and so, you know, that sort of acts very similarly to how like the Petaluma wind gap in, in, in California really, um, uh, you know, sort of funnels uh, that very, very, very cold Pacific ocean air. Um, but I think overall, how would I characterize the fruit in Oregon is, um, y- y- you know, it's, uh, for the most part, relatively bright. It's it's relatively high toned. It's relatively red fruited. Um, for the most part, I do think we uh, we we have some differences really based on soils and soil depth and soil profiles. And um, you know, I think our very very deep basalt soils, our deep volcanic soils, are extremely bright and red fruited. Um, very, very high tone, very, very floral. Um, our shallow volcanic soils um, can be dark and brooding, um, almost blue fruited. Uh, you, you know, they, they can be, um, you know, blackberry, black cherry, you know, sort of, a, a, they can even go into, you know, some really dark stuff and, and um really, really kind of cool. Um, uh, very, very interesting. And I think the sedimentary soils here can act very similarly to that as well. So you have these ancient, you know, 60 million year old, um, ancient seafloor soils here, um, places like Yamhill Carlton and, and Ribbon Ridge, uh, and the fruit, um, can be quite dark. The fruit can be quite dark, uh, and so I think a lot of the fruit profile is, is, um, is, is very much based on soil here. One of the things we're very blessed with at Christum is we have everything from uh, Witzel soil, which is uh, just about a, a foot and a half deep. And then that's uh, so a very shallow, very rocky basalt soil. And then we have Jory, which you might be more familiar with, perhaps it's um, our uh, deepest volcanic soil here in the Willamette Valley. And for example, we have places in Eileen, it's over 10 feet deep of topsoil before you hit a single stone. Um, so when you're in 10 feet of topsoil, those vines um, typically are producing something very, very red fruited, strawberry, raspberry. And when you're in very, very shallow soils, very rocky soils, the vines are much more stressed and um, very, very quickly, uh, the fruit profile, I think, um, shifts um, 
you, you know, it's uh, everything is on that bell curve. Everything is on that ripening bell curve. But I think it can move uh, very quickly from bright and high toned red into something much darker very quickly in those shallow rocky soils. Uh, do you think there are very significant differences between the ABAs in Willamette? We're learning that. Um, I think it's too soon to tell. I think it's, we are still such young and we are in our infancy. It still feels like maybe we're a toddler in the world of wine. Um, uh, but I think um, we're, we're learning some of those differences. I think it's, from my perspective, um, it, it's much more based on soil. It's much more based on soil than it is on the actual ABA. And so you have um, places in Yamhill Carlton, for example, which have both sedimentary and volcanic soil. It's, it's sort of this big horseshoe type shaped AVA. And there are, there's volcanic soil as well as um, sedimentary. And I think that that's where it's very difficult to just say, oh, well, Yamhill Carlton is dark and brooding and, 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 you know, blackberry. Well, no, there's some really interesting volcanic soils as well that are much brighter and more red. Um, but I think it's too soon to tell. I think it's too, I think we're learning what these AVAs are about. I think, um, Soil is, is, is the defining factor perhaps, but also, you know, and we mentioned this wind, um, you know, I, I would put that near the top um, because I think the reason why, uh, like, for example, we just had recently approved the Van Duzer ABA. Um, and so it's an ABA right next to the old Amity Hills. Um, uh, but again, almost directly in line with this Van Duzer corridor. So you have almost an entire AVA that's defining itself and differentiating itself um, based on wind, based on the, based on based on what uh, what's what's happening there with the wind. But um, you know, it, it impacts McMinnville and the Olamide Hills and the Van Duzer corridor and the Van Duzer AVA significantly more than Yamhill Carlton or Dundee or Ribbon Ridge, which are. 30 miles to the north, mm. you know, uh, 15, 15 to 30 miles, depending on, you know, where you are to the north. So, and, and they're much more impacted by the Columbia River Gorge. So they're much more impacted by warm wind coming down from the desert in the Columbia River Gorge. So, so they're actually getting warming winds from the north and from the east. And we're getting basically exclusively cold winds from the west. We're, we're babies out here. I mean, I think the first Pinot Noir was planted in the Willamette Valley in February of 1965. So we, we don't have um, as much understanding, I think, as we would like. But I think every year um, we gain a little bit more perspective. A couple of final questions for me. Why have you well, not just you, but a lot of producers in Oregon focused on Pinot Noir because we've been tasting a few hundred wines at the moment and some of the Chardonnays are pretty good as well. And it sounds like the terroir is good for both Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Why have you only focused on Pinot Noir and not Chardonnay? We, we do focus on Chardonnay. Um, we, uh, we have Chardonnay planted, uh, in three of our estate vineyards. Um, 
when we started in 1992 as a company, uh, we started, we were almost half Chardonnay, half Pinot Noir. Okay. Um, and so that's, you know, almost 30 years ago. Um, and so I think people recognized in Oregon relatively early that it's a, it's a phenomenal place to grow Chard. And um, I don't know that they put as much focus on it early on and planted it in the very best places. I don't, I think that in the very beginning, 70s, 80s, 90s, I think Pinot Noir was prioritized in the the best, sweetest spots of the hillsides. Um, I think that people will have been wising up over the last 20 years. Um, and I think that there are a number of producers who are putting much more greater focus on it. Um, much more focus on single vineyard, uh, very, very distinct, very unique Chardonnays. Um, so we, um, we make uh, an Eole Amity Hills Chardonnay um, that's a blend uh, of, of, of everything that we, that we grow and that we also buy. So we buy, um, you know, we buy fruit from, from, uh, from five different uh, uh, local vineyards, Chardonnay vineyards. And um, we make an Eole Amity Hills Chardy. And then we also make a, a Louise Vineyard. So we make a single vineyard Chardonnay off of, off of Louise Vineyard here, here on the estate. And so that was planted. Um, all of the Chardonnay here at Kristen was planted between 93 and 97. Uh, and then our, in Louise Vineyard, excuse me, 93 to 97 in Louise Vineyard. And then we've been more recently planting um, in our vineyard named after my father, Paul, Paul Gary. And then we've been also adding Chardonnay to the very top of the hillside in Eileen Vineyard as well. And so um, we now have Eileen planted, you know, all the way uh, to the very top, to the crest of the, to the crest of the hill. And uh, so it's, it's really cold and really windy and I'm super pumped for a wicked racy, you know, just acid driven uh, Shardy from, from Eileen. Um, and uh, we'll actually be getting the very first crop from that this year. So uh, just a fourth leaf fine, fourth leaf finds up there. Great. Do you think other producers are starting to also plant more Chardonnay and swift the focus from Pinot to a bit more Chardonnay? Um, and what's your, what's your proportion between the two at the moment? When we started, we were almost half and half. To fast forward today, we're, we're like 80% Pinot Noir now. Yeah. Um, we, we make, um, we're making right around, right around 1800 cases of, of Chardonnay now. I think the problem honestly was that people focused too much on Pinot Gris for too long. I right. think Pinot Gris became the Willamette Valley white, the Oregon white. And, and I think that was the problem. I think that the better wines, the more interesting wines are Chardonnay and Riesling. There's actually a tremendous opportunity for Riesling here. Um, dynamic Riesling can be pulled from vines from the Willamette Valley. Um, I, I, I think, so people invested too much for too long in Pinot Gris. I think that was a mistake. We ourselves planted a great deal of Pinot Gris between like 93 and 96. Um, we since have grafted over more than half of that 
to Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir is, um, you know, uh, probably a little bit held in a little bit higher regard here, probably locally. Um, but I think Chardonnay is starting to gain traction. It's starting to gain a little bit more greater understanding. I think a little bit like anything that um, it still feels a little new, but I think there are tremendous producers. Lingua Franca um, with the Larry Stone Vineyard, um, Evening Land, uh, Walter Scott Wines, uh, Cameron, Bergstrom, um, they, they are producing exceptional Shardy. Exceptional. I mean, um, benchmark uh, as a varietal. Great. Thank you so much. Um, and have a great evening. <laughs> well, thank you. Have a great morning. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Nice to meet you. Take you care. too.